Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Awesome, awesome. Welcome, everybody. I'm surprised Tim didn't make a a big plug because he's actually a teacher on that list. So this was your chance. I thought you were going to, like, really beef it up. So um, this is a really cool idea. Instead of doing backpacks and different things like this, we want to make a big impact, and we know that teachers just give and give and give. It's the only job that you actually bring your supplies to your office place, right? Are there any teachers in the house? I know you're out there. You know what I'm talking about. So um, my wife came up with this idea. They actually created a wish list on Amazon, and so you can pull out your phone like you're taking a picture and take a picture of the QR code, and it'll go straight to their wish list. And you don't have to buy the entire wish list, but you can buy one or two items. Um, if you go want to go old school wise, there's a printed list as well. So, um, but if you do buy an item, it ships to your house, and then it will take that item off the list, so two people don't buy the same item, and then you can bring it here. So we will have that up for the next couple weeks, and we're sponsoring homeschool moms. Where's the homeschool moms in the house? And then public school, Christian schools. Okay, okay, some light applause, light applause, it's all good. So anyways, if you are new with us, if you're checking us out online, welcome. We are so happy to have you. We have a little gift basket um, in the back. Actually, it's more of a gift bag, I think, but there is free Chick-fil-A in there, so make sure to stop by there and grab that. We are completing the book of Ephesians today. We're in that chapter 6, and we're going to be talking about the armor of God. Last week, we talked about the spiritual realm and the battles that we face. And just like um, Ryan was singing, the battle really belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. So the great thing about all of this that is talked about, it's not to, to be weird or to freak us out, because really we're fighting not to win, but we're fighting from a place of victory, that Jesus really has defeated the enemy, and our job is to stand. And so we realize that the devil is sneaky, that he wants to turn our attention um, against people and against situations, governments, policy, and all that stuff. But really, the battle, it says, is not against flesh and blood. The battle is against evil rulers, authorities, mighty powers of darkness, and evil spirits. So Satan wants to... Um, hide and have you fight towards people. And so in verse 13, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. Ephesians chapter 6, it says this, it says, because of all this, therefore let us put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. So here's encouragement. I, I know there's been seasons in my life that it just takes everything I got to stand. Um, and I'm glad the scripture says it's not our job to go out there and beat up the devil and all of his demon angels. <laughs> like, that's not our responsibility. Sometimes we just have to do our best and say, Lord, your word says this, so I'm going to trust it because I will see the victory. I will see the victory, and my faith is strong, not in my efforts, not in my feelings or my emotions, but it's strong on you. So, Lord, I need you. It's not like I need you a daily bread. Sometimes it's like 
Have you ever heard that? Every hour I need thee. <laughs> it's like, Lord, just get me through this hour. Or you're, you wake up and you're just like, I have no idea how I'm going to face the day today. I feel tired. I'm emotionally spent. I'm just beat down. When it's those times, it's Paul saying, hey, put on the armor so that you will be able to stand and stand firm in your faith. And so when you look at the armor of God, often it's, it really symbolizes righteousness, like God's armor of righteousness. And so I have a lot of different scriptures, and there's a lot of different points that I'll be putting out there. So if you want to take notes, that's fine. But we're going to kind of go all over the place and really dive in. Can we do that today? Okay, stretch it out. All right. <laughs> um, okay, so the first thing um, that I want to share is really in facing life the best policy is to live righteously. Because when you live righteous, um, you have a lot fewer problems. Um, I uh, was taking my school, uh, taking my kids to school the other day, and I can go this one side, but then I have to cross traffic, and it seems like there's a lot of traffic. So I could go through the neighborhood, but if I do that, there's a school zone, and you have to you know, lower your speed. So this one day I says, well, I'll just take the school zone speed, you know. So I saw the sign, and to me that's not code for like, let's slow down to the speed limit. That's code for me for just like stop accelerating, right? So you take your, <laughs> take your foot off the pedal. And so I cruise up to this, you know, it goes from 30 to 15. And I had the delight of meeting um, one of Avondale's finest police officers. <laughs> Um, and uh, he reminded me that actually when the speed limit says 15, that's the speed you're supposed to be to when you arrive at that sign. So I think I was a solid 19 or 20 when I passed that intersection. So anyways, he was an awesome man, and uh, thank, thankfully he gave me just a warning. <laughs> but it just reminded me, you know what? If you're not doing anything against the law, there's no reason to freak out. But if your insurance is expired, if you have something shady in your car, you see a cop and you're like sweating. I know you guys don't know anything about that. But <laughs> if you're not following the rules, life is a lot more stressful. And I think about sports, and I, I, I did hear the question like, well, can I wear a jersey that's not football? Sure, it's just jersey Sunday. Just go if you want to wear a soccer jersey or whatever you want to. But I thought about football. And some of the most amazing plays can happen. And you always are completely angered and disappointed when there's a penalty, like they throw this beautiful touchdown, it's the end zone, you're all excited, and then you realize that there's a flag on the play, right? And way off to the side, some defender is holding a play, and it completely eliminates all of the good that just happened. Well, we don't want to live life to where we're disqualified. So the, one of the best pieces of advice is of fighting the enemy is just to walk in righteousness. And so it talks about um, the different armors here. We'll, we'll go ahead and read a couple verses here. Um, Ephesians 6, 14 through 17, it says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. 
So again, when you take on these armors and you live in a holy life, it not only benefits your life, but it really benefits those around you. You guys, kids are blessed with godly parents. Kids are blessed with godly grandparents. And I'll tell you what, like, don't give up faith. Your prayers are heard. I know I'm a product of my grandparents' prayers. And sometimes it doesn't seem like anything's happening, but your lives will make a great impact, not only for you, but others around you. I love seeing, you know, uh, Nancy and the different volunteers serving in kids' church because this is the glimpse where, where children get to see people who have followed the Lord and they see their life and your life is a testimony unto them. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Or when volunteers serve in the teenager and they're like talking to junior highs and they're like, hey, I've gone through some of these struggles. Let me walk you through this. It's a great, beautiful thing. So in, verses, uh, in the first verse, um, we see two pieces of armor in verse 14. The King James Version points it out like this. It says, Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So this is kind of like a, a Roman guard. So when Paul is talking about this, this belt wasn't like a little fashion belt, but it was like a thick leather belt, and it protected your groin. Men, are you thankful? Give me an amen, right? This is, now this is before Big Five Sporting Goods, so they didn't have any athletic cups or anything like that. Like, it was important that your groin is protected. And I think it's interesting that the, it represents truth. So there's an association with the center core of who you are and truth. And this really holds everything together because people who live in lies, they live in conflict. They're constantly like, I don't know what I told this person, and they're just like, they just create messes in their life. But when you live in truth, it supports you. And when you're true to the core, you can be true to yourself. This belt also was provided a place for them to put their, their sword or their dagger. So oftentimes they would wear truth, even if they weren't in battle, or even if they didn't have their whole armor on. Truth and this belt was worn all the time. So it's a reminder to us that, hey, we really need to walk in truth. And the Bible's clear that Jesus talks about this in the 8th chapter of John. And he says that the devil is the father of lies. He's the author of lies. So he's saying, hey, look, you need to guard yourself in truth. You need to protect yourself in truth because the enemy wants to come and bring lies. He also says that it's knowing the truth and the truth sets us free. Again, there's a, a great association with truth and freedom. And the enemy wants to get in and try to convince us that his lies are the truth. So we need to be on guard with holding truth. The next piece is the breastplate of righteousness. I love this one. Um, <laughs> the breastplate, it, it protects your heart. It protects your vital organs. And it's interesting that Paul represents righteousness with this piece of armor. And um, there is a big, I think one of the greatest <laughs> benefits this side of heaven that Jesus talked about. He, he talked about on a, his famous Sermon on the Mount um, in Matthew. Um, he said that God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Like, have you ever wanted to see God? That's connected to purity of the heart. And so Paul's saying, hey, the breastplate 
is of righteousness. It's of purity. It's of being forgiven. And so when you have a pure heart, those with pure hearts are close to God, have intimacy with God, can see God. And so it just says, you know what? Hey, that's a really, really important thing. So maybe the question you're asking yourself is how do I do that? Because good works and good deeds don't necessarily make you righteous. What makes us righteous is what Christ did for us on the cross, right? That's why David says, he, he says in Psalms 51, he says, God, create in me, what did he ask for? A clean heart, a pure heart. Like, imagine seeing God. Like, I would love to experience a closeness to God, to see God. So therefore, I know it's important for me to have a pure heart. I know it's important for me if I say, hey, I'm a Christian. I go to church. What, what you're saying, if you're saying I'm a Christian, is you're saying I'm like Christ. And so the world automatically is looking at you with a critical eye. Do you walk the walk? Or are you just all talk? Like really, when your life hits, you know, and difficulties strike, what do you turn to? And so a pure heart is something that we can ask for and say, God, I need you to clean my heart. I've done evil. Evil's been done to me. I need you to make me righteous. And he gives us this. It's God who gives us and provides us this armor. So he wants and he knows that he can help us with that clean heart. Um, this is a big deal. There's a crazy story in Acts um, and we, we need to, I think, have a holy reverence for God and the name of Jesus. Um, this is a wild story. Do you guys want to hear this one? Maybe you've heard this one. This is, this is so interesting. Anyways, in Acts 19, you can turn there if you want. Um, in verses 13, it says, Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits, they tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. So these people were seeing Paul and other disciples use this name of Jesus, kind of like this magic abracadabra word. So they're like, let's try this. So they would go and they say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I think it's interesting, hey, the guy that Paul's talking about, in that guy's name, <laughs> I command you to come out. And one day the evil spirit answered them. That's a problem. <laughs> ah, that'd be an interesting dilemma. Uh, and he said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man who had evil spirits jumped on them and overpowered them all, and he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Oh, that's a bad day. <laughs> so um, the authority that Christ gives us is granted to the believers, to those who say, you know what, I want to follow Christ. You were Lord of my life. And I want you, and I invite you to come in. And for some of us, that's a scary thought. Because in saying yes to God, you have to say no to some other behaviors. You have to say no to other relationships. You have to say no to those things that God saying, hey, look, I want to help get that out. But I am thankful that God is patient with us because it took me a long time. I don't know about you, I'll tell you my story, but like, it took me a long time to, to give up more and more control. But when you do that, you realize that you can walk in purity. You can walk in a greater level of authority in what he has for you. 
So when you feel like God is inviting you into a deeper place of righteous living, and you say no, that could be a, a dangerous place for you to live. Because he's got you right in the right space, with the right people, in the right time, because he has great things for you. And so his love is still at 100% for you. But what are you giving up? What are you giving up in life that's worth saying no to God for? So again, this is an invitation to be equipped and to live a righteous life. Next is the shoes of peace. Uh, Verse 15, it says, For the shoes put on peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. And shoes back then made a soldier, they made him like ready to run into battle. And some had metal cleats for better footing. Um, Those who had sturdy, uh, those who study any type of martial arts, they know that the position of one's feet and standing is really the beginning place of combat because it affects your balance, it affects your grip, your power, and your movement. And so I find it interesting that Paul references these shoes as shoes of peace. And doesn't God want us to be peacemakers? He didn't say shoes of truth. He said, he said you, you are to take on the shoes of peace. And God blesses the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. That's what it says in Matthew. Those were Jesus' words. So I imagine like what it would look like for a person like stomping in truth and being like, you're wrong, and you're wrong, and you're wrong. But instead, we see Jesus as representation of the full truth. And he met with people. He encountered people that were completely living in lives contrary to his instructions. But he connected with the woman at the well. He connected with the prostitutes. He connected with people that were liars and tax collectors and thieves. And he would bring them in with love, and then he would tell them what to do. And so I think... For us as Christians, it might feel invigorating to point out other people's sin, but I feel like that God is saying, hey, we, our responsibility is to stand firm, to resist the devil, and to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. That like, our job's not to convict of sin, that's the Holy Spirit's job. And Jesus is the judge, right? So I want to make sure that I'm good, like, let me stay in my lane. And walking in peace does that. Um, In addition to all these, it says in 16, talking about the shield, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. I found a picture of this shield, and apparently, um, according to Google, uh, this is the only known surviving example of a Roman shield that was used in the third century. And so these shields were large, and they were made of wood, and they were wrapped in leather. And a lot of them would even interlock or they would use a formation, like you see, to protect. And before battle, they would soak these big shields in water because if the enemy did light their arrows on fire, it would quench that arrow. If if your shield was dry leather, it would be a, a, a problem. So those shields were soaked. And I think that's interesting about this piece of armor is it's the only piece that not only protects yourself, but together you are, are more protected. So it protects you and other people. And I think that's interesting, and I think there's some truth to that even today, that when we come together and we assemble together 
and we praise God and we make room for prayer and teaching that our shields of faith encourage each other. And when we see somebody who's struggling and God heals them or we see somebody who's struggling and, and we, we walk that journey along with them, it stirs up our faith. And so the shield of faith is important not only for yourself, but it's also for, for God's church, for his bride, that we can all come together and do that. And I think one of the lies that the enemy is really trying to spread lately is, you know what? You can love Jesus on your own. You know, you can listen to a podcast. You can, you can watch TV and watch church on TV, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I do all of those things. But there is something unique and wonderful when we, when we come together and when we assemble. And that's what it says in Hebrews. It says, hey, look, let us consider one another. Again, it's, it's, let's, we're, we're not in this alone. Let us stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as in the matter of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So I feel like there is this lie that says, you know what? You don't need church. Church hurts people. You can see it's easy to see how churches failed people. And that's the case today. And I'm, I've been hurt by church. A lot of you guys have been hurt by church. But it's still God's plan. He is coming back for the church. He's coming back for us. And so if there was a plan B, we could talk about it, but I don't see it in the scriptures. And so I just encourage you, find the people that you link up with and bring your shield of faith and stand firm. Um, The next piece of armor is the helmet and the sword. Um, In Ephesians 17, it says, put on the salvation as your helmet and take on the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Um, The helmet of salvation is one of my favorites, I think. If there's one place that I hear most people struggling with, it's in their mind. And I feel like if the enemy comes, he's going to bring lies to your thoughts and lies and suggest things in your mind. And that really is the start of the the battlefield. Because if, if the Satan can get in your mind, he can get in your heart. And he can twist these truths in your head to lies, and then you'll accept them. He wants control of your mind. And this is probably, if, if, if you're tuned out, tune in right now. Because I want to share how Jesus fought the enemy. And it has exactly to do with this. But Jesus fought the enemy. And it tells us this story in Matthew 4. It says, when Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So here's here's the scenario. Here's what happened. Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. And in doing so, uh, the heavens opened up. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Spirit of God descended as a dove. Like, this is an epic moment. If I had a time-traveling DeLorean, I would want to go back to this. Like, that would be a really cool moment. And then it says, the Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness, and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then it says that he was hungry. Okay, so (laughs) that's true. Here's here's what I want to highlight. Satan will come at you. He didn't come at Jesus on day one or two. He waited to day 40. Sometimes when you're exhausted... When you're weary, when you're hungry and cranky, 
maybe the best line of defense is just having a good meal and taking a nap, right? Where's my nappers in the house? Tony, come on. You're with me. A nice nap, a nice Sunday nap. Like you wake up feeling refreshed. So don't be surprised if when you're exhausted, when you're mentally just worn down and beat up, trying to figure out all this stuff and your wheels are spinning and there's no answer to improve the situation, that's when the enemy wants to come. And that's when he came with Jesus. And look how he twisted truth. He says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to turn into bread. He says, the heavens said that you're the son of God. This is from the Bible, so go ahead and make these stones bread. Now, listen to what Jesus did. He said, it is written. That's the first thing he said. It is written. The best line of defense when you're fighting thoughts is say, this is, you know, according to the Bible, it is written. And he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he, he retorted that lie with scripture. And he does this three more times. You can look at it for yourself. But here's the point. There's, um, in the Greek, it, there's, there's such thing as a rhema word of God and then a logos word. The logos represents the entirety of the word. In 1 John, it says, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God. So, like, Jesus represented the full word of God. But he retorts with a rhema word of God. It's an utterance. It's audible. And it's revelatory. And so he is saying, hey, look, you, you don't... <laughs> The good news is this. You don't need to memorize the whole word of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. The only way to beat the devil is to memorize the word of God. Like, we're all out of here, right? Um, but Jesus said, hey, look, he gave a rhema word against the lie. And so you cannot fight thoughts with thoughts. That's good. You can't fight thoughts with thoughts. When you're having these crazy wild thoughts, you need to speak. It is written. You need to utter it out. It might sound weird. You might need to go to the bathroom or your car. You're at your workplace. It probably would be a little awkward if you're like, now this is written. Satan, get behind me. Like your, your little cubicle friend might be a little freaked out by that. <laughs> but Satan says, hey, look, he's going to come at you and twist truth. And so we need to stand and we need to say scripture to retort his lies. And these are a couple. There's a lot of different ones out there, but these are some of my favorites. In James 4, 7, it says, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So again, the first part of this is saying, Hey, look, God, I embrace your lordship in my life. I want your help. I need your help. I need your righteousness. I want to get better. Help me to improve living the life that you're calling me to live. So I submit myself to God, and then I resist the devil, and according to God's word, he has to flee. He has to flee. Here's another great one. If you want to take a picture of this with your phone, help yourself. 2 Timothy 1.5, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, of sound mind. Man, fear is real. Fear of the future, fear of this and that, like it's crippling, it's debilitating. And so this is a good scripture to throw out to the enemy. In Colossians 2, this is one of my favorites. This is so cool. You guys are going to really get excited about this one. It says, you were dead in your sin and your uncircumcision of your sinful nature. God made you alive with Christ and he forgave all of our sins, having canceled 
them, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailed it on the cross. So all of our shame, not only did he forgive us, but like he erased our record of wrong. Like it's a miracle if, if somebody gets out of jail and they've served their, their, their punishment for their crime. But it's a whole nother thing for their, their record to be erased. And God says our records of wrong have been nailed to the cross. And in doing so, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. Satan's disarmed. The only thing he has in his fake gun is lies and fears and twisting truth. Like that's what he's going to come at you with. And so the Bible says, hey, take on this righteous armor. Stand true. I will fight for you. But you need to cling on to me. And you need to stand. You need to stand. And that's what the word of God is. It says it's the sword of the spirit. It's the very first offensive weapon mentioned here. And that's what we do. That's that rhema word of God when we speak out truth, when we speak out against the lies and say, Satan, (laughs) I am submitted to God. And the word says, if I resist you, you will flee. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. You are disarmed and you are publicly shamed. Shut up in Jesus' name. (laughs) Like, that's what we do. That's what we do. Parents, what if, what if some big bully is picking on your kid? How do you feel about that? Silence. That doesn't, that doesn't happen to my kid. <laughs> no, we would hate that. And as your pastor, I don't like seeing the enemy mess with you, mess with your mind, steal you from the joy in the future because the joy, of the sal- the joy is our salvation. And he wants, us, he wants us to be rooted in that. And so you can't fight thoughts with thoughts. So... The last piece of armor that Paul tells us to in 18 is through prayer. Don't forget about prayer. 18 says, pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Prayer is our communication to God. And so when you, a lot of you guys are in the military, shout out to all the the men and women who serve our country. But you know if you're on a mission or you're on a battle and you you lose your comms, your communications, that's a big, big deal. Like your communications can mean success or victory. Victory or failure. I said the same thing. (laughs) But now I got your attention. So um, prayer is, is everything. We put on the armor of God through prayer. And then when we have it on, we stand firm in prayer. And prayer is a huge, huge thing. Prayer plus purity equals great, great power. Great power. We need to hear God's voice. It's crucial for victory. And he wants our churches to be called houses of prayer. That's why every day we we have prayer. And I want Streams to be even more a church of prayer because that's the best thing that I can do for you is when you can position yourself to hear God's word. That is the most powerful thing in your life. So 
Here's an interesting question. I've never heard this question talked about from a pastor, but um, probably my son would ask it. But here's a question. How often do I have to put on this armor? <laughs> for some reason, I don't ever remember taking it off. Like, this is a metaphor thing. Like, do I, do I pray for it once? Is it like a baptism thing? Like, how, do often do I, how often do I do this thing, you know? Like, have you ever asked yourself that question? You have, okay, just me, sorry. <laughs> I'll skip over that part. No. <laughs> well, here's an interesting thing. In Isaiah 59, it talks about God having armor, and he puts on armor. It says in verses six, 16 through 17 that God, he was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed, and he did not like that. So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm, and his justice sustained him. He put on righteousness as his body armor, and he placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself in a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. What a cool picture. <laughs> so when you're weak, when you're barely hanging on, when you're like, oh my gosh, I, what have I done in my life? I see my kids making wrong choices. I can't handle my job anymore. I've lost my retirement. Whatever, whatever situation that you're in, know that God is strong and he is able. So Paul says, you know what? Put on your armor of God. And then we see God putting on the armor. So the question is, is I don't know how often you should put on your armor. <laughs> Maybe every day when you're getting ready, when you're having your coffee, when you're driving to work. But memorize these pieces of armor. The belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. The helmet of salvation. The shoes of peace. The shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. And put it on. I don't know how often, but especially when you're feeling that you're getting attacked. I did have an interesting conversation with somebody who did those war reenactments. They'd like dress all up and like, and I, I thought <laughs> his statement was interesting. He says, after a couple battles, like my armor, like they fight big, like they got swords and everything. And he says, my armor begins to wear out. And I thought, that's interesting because there's some battles that really have rocked me to my core. And God says, hey, look, I don't know how the armor works, but like, he could, we need to put on the armor of God to stand firm. And then Paul closes out again this letter. And he says in 19, he, he brings it back to prayer again. He says, you know what? Pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for both the Jews and the Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Oftentimes, prisoners would be chained to Roman officers. So imagine being a Roman officer like he was going to hear about Jesus. If you're chained up to Paul, like he was up close and personal to that armor. But Paul is saying, hey, look, he didn't pray to, you know, get back to his normal life and to go back to his, you know, beautiful place in his apartment or his house or whatever. He says, man, pray for boldness. Pray for boldness that I can clearly communicate God's gospel. Like, that's an amazing prayer for us. That when you're in the battle, what an amazing time for you to share your story about what Jesus has done. 
even in the thick of everything not working out, sharing your faith. Like, that speaks volumes. Verse 23, peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. I praise God for the cross. Man, I'm glad that I am not fighting to win, that the victory has already been done. And so I want to invite up the worship team. I'm not sure what stood out to you today. Maybe there's some conviction going on. That's a good thing. God brings conviction, and he, he draws us to right living. It's the enemy who wants to bring con- condemnation, to bring shame, to say you're not doing it right. You're not good enough. And he wants to bring fear, and he wants to uh, make you question your salvation. And he puts doubts in your head. And so I'm not sure what causes you to maybe get deregulated or thrown off a course. Maybe you're in the middle of a battle right now. Maybe you are um, dealing with thoughts of the future or you're sick of being single or being lonely or you're dissatisfied with the place that you are in life or you're burnt out, you're dealing with health issues. I know one of our biggest conquering things is prayer and praise. And so no matter where you are today, I just pray that God's peace comes in your heart. And I encourage you to praise as if you had the victory. Because there is a spiritual realm, and God is moving mightily on your behalf. If you could just see what's going on in the heavens, you'd be like, I am not alone. God sees me, and he's fighting for me. And so in the picture of that context, would you stand with me, and would you just praise, me, praise God with me? And say, God, thank you for fighting my battles. That I'm going to see a victory. And then we'll go ahead and close service.